0: (laughs) Man, it's hot in here. All right, let's open our Bibles, please, to 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 4, and we're still studying about how to be uh, spiritual and the three types of men. Uh, We're going to pick up where we left off uh, last week, so we're not going to cover the points. We will just give you a real brief reminder of the uh, introduction as we continue to look at characteristics of carnality we're seeing this all around us in uh, christendom in general with uh, the apostasy that's going on and uh, many church members who are turning back and uh, not fearing the lord all right first corinthians chapter one and i mean that nationwide it's everywhere uh it's a spirit of apostasy all right first corinthians chapter uh excuse me four And uh, let's look at verse 1. It says, Let a man so account of us as of ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. But with me it is a very small thing that I should be judged of you or of man's judgment, yea, I judge not mine own self. For I know nothing by myself, yet am I not hereby justified, But he that judgeth me is the Lord. Therefore, judge nothing before the time until the Lord come, who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsels of the hearts. And then shall every man have praise of God. Now, if you look down at verse 9, it says, For I think that God has set forth us the apostles' last, as it were appointed to death, For we are made a spectacle unto the world and to angels and to men. We are fools for Christ's sake, but ye are wise in Christ. We are weak, but ye are strong. Ye are honorable, but we are despised. All right, let's pray. Father, we pray that you'd bless the study. We yield your spirit. Help us to have uh, discernment and to have uh, awareness in our consciousness of, uh, carnality in our own life, uh, also in the lives of others with the right, uh, spirit and the right attitude, help us to grow in grace and to seek, uh, and to have a goal to be truly spiritual as a people, uh, to know what that means and to use our spiritual gifts for the edification, of the members of the body of Christ, but also to recognize Uh, the flesh and what that means and uh, the atrocities of it and we ask these things in Jesus name amen Amen. so we've been looking at the church of Corinth just give you a real quick review Uh, Paul by the grace of God and the power of God established this New Testament church in a very unique place it was uh, famous for shipping caravan routes. It was uh, multicultural, mu- multi-faceted. Uh, uh, a lot of different types of people were there. A lot of different philosophies and a lot of different uh, false religions, mostly polytheism. But God used him to start this church, and the uh, to be a Corinthian, as we mentioned was a derogatory term. So uh, there was a guy I once knew that his word was heathen. <laughs> if you called him a heathen, <laughs> I mean, he, he's, he's getting really mad at it. and And uh, he took it personal. And so that was like one of, hey, them's fighting words. You're going to have to fight me and my cousin and everybody else. Well, I said, if you don't want to be called one, don't live like one. Uh, you look, you're living like a heathen. You look like one. Uh, but a Corinthian, to be, to, to, turn, to be turned into one, means to lose your morals, your ethics, to violate your conscience. And so God placed this church at this very uh, sinful place. And it was uh, the sin city city of the time in uh, the culture of the world. So we've been looking at, there's three types of men. Natural, who is lost without God. They would not know God if he walked in the room. They have no spiritual discernment whatsoever. They are bereft of Almighty God. Second type is a carnal Christian who is saved. They're indwelt by the Holy Spirit, but they're still dominated by the lust of the flesh and the world means uh, excuse me the word means to be sensitive so they're controlled by what they see what they hear what they smell what they taste the uh, experiences of life they have the potential to be spiritual but they're not And then you have the last, which is the goal is to be spiritual, to be spirit led, spirit filled, to know the word of God, to walk in the spirit so that you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So Paul said, I couldn't speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal. He said, your babes in Christ, I had to feed you with the milk of the word, not the, uh, the meat of the word. And he plainly said, they walk as men, not uh, walking with Christ, um, the God-man. So we saw in chapter 1, there's this uh, evidence, and all these other symptoms we find of uh, carnality, you can boil it down to these three things. First of all, they had envy. They compared with other People. They compared themselves with other Christians. Uh, They look this way. Why don't I look that way? They wear this. How come? Or I have this. They don't. Possessions, appearance, accomplishments, acquisitions, these types of things. So they were very envious. Secondly, they were in a competition. That is the strife. And so they set up a game of competition to win the game. And uh, I decided a long time ago, I don't play that game. I'm not gonna get in the game. I don't care what you think of me. I don't play the game of strife to compete with somebody else. What do you have? What do you know? What have you done? Uh, These types of things. We have this, we have more than you. Uh, You know, you'll be set free when you, number one, don't compare to other people number two don't compete with other people number three that leads to the contradiction so the contradiction is division in the body of christ versus uh unity and when you boil it down you have self-will of the flesh or god's will of the spirit so just remind you of this we're not learning this to judge others, to lift ourselves up, put somebody else down. We're learning this to be spiritual. And so um, if you can recognize what's wrong, you'll know what's right. If you're aware of sin and the flesh, then you can be more uh, spiritual. So we're learning this to analyze ourselves, And then as I said, this is by no means exhaustive. We're just giving you an overview um, of the book. So as we were beginning uh, with point number four, and the next characteristic of carnality is failure to esteem God's men um, highly and to know the chain of command, the hierarchy. And sad to say for Paul, he went all the way over there, risked his life, started this church, And he was not recognized for who he was. He was not given the credit for what he had done. And he was not held in esteem by the carnal um, Corinthians. So I, I say this again, every man in his best state is just a man. Don't forget that. Go study for yourself don't glorify men. Don't get involved in a cult of personality. Don't be a yes man. Don't be uh, a blind follower. And uh, but if you're spiritual, you recognize God's men and you esteem them highly for who they are. That God has called them and God uses men. So God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them which believe, and a, an apostle had to be an eyewitness of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So he was an eyewitness. He was taught personally by the resurrected Lord, the doctrine of the New Testament church in Arabia, and he was uh, a spectacle of the world. He was mocked. He was ridiculed. He, he, they didn't understand who he was. They did not grasp where he had been, what God had brought him through, what God had taught him, and he knew what they did not. He had been where they had never been, and God was using him, but they didn't give him the honor that was due. So we need to understand this, not for the man's sake. And so a true man of God, he doesn't want glory. He doesn't want to be in the limelight. Uh, He would like to go hide if he could, but he's uh, called. But I want to read you a verse. And so uh, I don't deal with these things very often because I'm not trying to enforce authority or anything like that, but I want, I want you to read this. This is for the benefit of the people. So Hebrews chapter 13 and verse um, seven, Hebrews 13 verse seven, remember them which have the rule over you who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow considering the end of their conversation, he follows that up with the immutability of Christ, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. So you are to remember your spiritual leaders. That's the church members' responsibility. And then look at verse 17. Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves for they watch For your souls as they that must give an account that they may do it with joy and not with grief for that is unprofitable uh, for you. So the church member, if they cause grief for the preacher, uh, they will in some way. Something's going to happen to them that would not have happened to them if they had remembered those that had the rule over them, and if they would have submitted to them in the chain of command, and the Bible says we're not to lord over God's heritage. We're, We're not trying to dictate or be a tyrant. We're trying to set the right example, and that's why it says be an example to the flock. So we should respect our spiritual elders we should consider them and we should consult them. We ought to get their advice and we ought to seek counsel. And if, if you're a smart person, you would seek their approval. You would get their approval. You don't just go off on your own and freelance and be a hotshot and, and some parachurch ministry or get out of line. You, you need to understand there's a chain of command and if you do this, and the, it says, if the pastor has joy, then uh, good things are going to happen to you. But there's a lot of people. They don't. Um, I, I've heard it from the beginning. You know, that guy only works an hour a week. Who's he? I don't know what they say. Uh, well, you would be on call 24-7 and carry the pressure. You'll see what it's like. But uh, ridicule, mocking, belittling. Yeah, he's just a man, but he's been placed by God to rule, and, you know, I I can truthfully say this, uh, uh, and I'm not saying I'm a great example, but I have lived this way. Every pastor I've ever had, I never did anything major without getting their advice, and never did any major, made any major decision without their approval unless it went against God's word. But I I went and I said, look, we need to get out of the Southern Baptist Convention. You told me we're going to. You're leading us. We're following you. Will you lead us? And he didn't lead us. He led us on. And uh, so, but I went, I said, I'm all behind you. Will you do what you've said you're going to do? I remember when Brother um, Hiles, uh, I didn't start a church unless he said to. I went into his office. I said, do you think I should? What do you think I ought to do? And he said, do you think you can do it? And I said, I don't know. I think I can. And um, I didn't know what I was doing. But I got his approval. And I, I said, will you anoint me with oil and lay your hands on me and pray for me? I, I didn't go off on my own as a hot shot. Freelancer, I went to Brother Cameron. I said, can I start a church in Corpus Christi? Do you approve of that? Do you have anything against it? Uh, what's your ideas? And he told me what he thought. So w- we should all submit to authority. That's what this is all about. Nothing to do with a, a power struggle or a dictator or tyrant. We need to seek the Lord. So... I know every man is just a man, but if you want God to bless you, that you want him to do it with joy, there's a lot of uh, grief causers out there that it's almost like their goal is I'm going to see how many hearts I can break, how many people I can disappoint, let down, how many people I can hurt. But uh, one of the characteristics of these Corinthians, they did not respect Paul. They, they didn't respect him. They wouldn't even give him money. He, he had to tell them, communicate with them who teach you the word. He had to get a job making tents. And the Bible says that the uh, preacher is worthy of double honor. And I don't know if that's true. Some people said you're supposed to take the average salary of the church and double it. I don't believe that. That's what some people teach. I don't believe that at all. excuse me but double honor uh, respect all right the next point number five and I'm just going to give you a reminder of this because we've already given several detailed bible studies Uh, it's in the same passage of uh, unrighteous judgment judging people unjustly excuse me condemning them pointing the finger at them, putting them down. And the Bible says the proud, haughty scorner is his name who lifts himself up by putting others down, judging according to uh, what they see, what they hear, what they presume. They have no evidence. So they presume, they have a preference, they have a personal agenda. You know how many people get this idea and they've already judged, and then they go look for reasons to believe their conclusion. They, it, it's like in America, you are innocent until proven guilty. What they do is they will find or reach a conclusion, have no evidence, because they just feel it or they want it to happen or they saw something or they heard something, then They'll go looking for somebody to say any inkling of something to support their conclusion, any evidence at all of all uh, to support it. Opinion, emotion, subjection, sentimentalism—they've already reached the conclusion, and this is where we're at. When you talk to people, a lot, most people, they don't know right from wrong. They don't know. They cannot discern good from evil. They do not put a difference between uh, darkness and light. So you'll notice people who cannot reach just conclusions. Um, this is a sign of uh, carnality. All right, look at chapter 5, 1 Corinthians 5 and uh, verse 1. It is a reported commonly that there is fornication among you, and such fornication as is not so much as named among the Gentiles, that one should have his father's wife. And ye are puffed up, and have not rather mourned, that he that hath done this deed might be taken away from among you. So, uh, I'll just tell you the uh, make a long story short. It tells us specifically what was going on if you keep reading and then what transpires in uh, 2 Corinthians. Uh, There was a man who was having uh, physical relationships with his stepmother in the church. Now, remember, this is Corinth, Sin City. It was popular among, you know, the heathen. They don't have any morals. They don't have any rules. Uh, Anything goes for them. But they were allowing this um, in the church. Now, we are in very, very touchy times, is that the way Sensitive times. In the day and age which we live, um, fornication is not only accepted, it's popular. And it's not only popular, it's promoted. And it's not only promoted, it is defended. And uh, the word fornication is taken from the word porneo in the Greek, which is pornography, where uh, it's just iniquity, which is spiritual immorality, but also physical immorality. A lot of people don't want to talk about it. They don't even think it's wrong anymore. And You know, the Bible's still true. Whether you like it or not, whether you live it or not, the Bible's true. And fornication is still a sin of the flesh. And God hates it, and it's not to be in the church. Now, here's the sensitive thing. People get saved. Uh, They believe on Christ. They don't know it's wrong. They do know it's wrong, but their condition, their conscience is seared. And... They're coming into the church. So, you you have to be very wise in dealing with people, and you can't put too much on them too quick. Uh, you don't want to offend them. Uh, they need time to grow in grace, but then at the same time, uh, they need to learn right from wrong. So, you know, I always said it, if I had to get married, how come they don't have to? And you know what I mean by that. I didn't have to, I wanted to, but, that let, didn't let come across. No, no. Hey, if I gotta live the how come we have to go by the Bible and they don't? Right. That's what I'm saying. I wanted to be legal. It says it's better to marry than to burn. That's what the Bible says. Uh why why are they getting um a pass or whatever the term is? So you don't want to be too hard, too quick, but I remember very specifically when, when I got saved and my uh, pastor preached a sermon and I was just smitten in my heart. I was just utter convicted. And I remember after the church, I walked out and I said, now, let me get you after the service. I said, let me get this straight. Are you saying this is wrong? He says, you better believe that's wrong. And uh, right then I said, I changed my mind. That's wrong. I never heard that. Um, so, it, this is uh, touchy. We, we talk to people. They, their parents got a divorce. They saw maybe their grandparents get a divorce. Nothing worked right in their family. They had, maybe they are dysfunctional. And then they, they reached this conclusion, well, I'm just not gonna ever do that because I saw that it didn't work for other people. Well, that has nothing to do with right or wrong. Um, the reason two out of three marriages end in a divorce is because they're not saved or did not commit to fear the Lord till death do us part. Right. So you can do it. Uh, anybody can do it. Uh, and so what does it say? I think also in uh, Hebrews 13. Marriage is honorable and the bed is undefiled. That's what it says. So fornication is un. Honorable or dishonorable, and the bed is defiled. That's what the Bible teaches. So, we're going to preach the truth whether they like it or not. We're going to stand on the truth. We don't care if you can handle it or you never heard it. You need to get right with God. And there's a lot of people out there that are uh, playing around, goofing off morally. And, you know, I realized a long time ago, flirting. What did Jesus say? In the Old Testament, if you committed adultery, you're an adulterer. But I say unto you, he said, I'm making this way more strict. If you look at a woman to lust after her in your heart, you committed adultery. And then you can take it a step further. Flirting. You know, I've never understood these dirty old men that want to flirt with waitresses and Boy, it just burns me up. Uh, Put them on the spot, try to embarrass them. And I had uncles that did that. When I was a little kid, I saw what they were pulling in in North Texas, in Oklahoma. And and I knew that was wrong. Uh, You're cheating on your wife. You know, here here you are married. Your wife's at home. You're in a restaurant. And you want to flirt around with a little waitress in her 20s or something. Man, you're a dirty old man. You need to get right with God. And I've seen it all. You know, um, we need to be very careful and be pure. And uh, husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. So, characteristic of carnality is uh, fornication. And they were allowing this. Now, Obviously, it had gone on for quite a long period of time. Next, and this gets more touchy. So let's look at uh, chapter 5 and verse 2. And ye are puffed up, and have not rather mourned, that he that hath done this deed might be taken away from among you. Now, I'm not going to go into the details of this. We've taught in the past lengthy studies on church discipline but the greatest test of love if you read this for the New Testament church is do you love God enough and the true church enough to execute church discipline when it is needed that's the greatest test so if someone uh, and I'm not even going in all the details it tells us the sins that are worthy it tells us what to do You are to go to that person face-to-face. If they have offended you, you give them time to repent. If they don't repent, you take a witness. You say, look, I love you. I've already warned you face-to-face. I'm not talking about you behind your back. Here's my witness at the mouth of two witnesses. Shall every word be established? You need to repent. I'm giving you this amount of time. If that doesn't happen, you're supposed to tell the church publicly And then give them chase time to repent. If they don't repent, you're supposed to ostracize them, separate, so that they'll learn their lesson, and then turn them over to the devil uh, for the destruction of the flesh. And uh, we've done this a few times. It uh, it it works. I've seen God do some uh, amazing, fearful things. Now here's the thing: you have to have evidence. Now sometimes, some people say somebody did something, and other people will bring an accusation. And then when you confront that person, they deny it. And they say, I didn't do it, I'm innocent. That's a false accusation. Uh, That's why you have to have witnesses. uh, And it has to be clear evidence. This is a very touchy, it really is a very touchy situation. So. when when you really boil this down what is the characteristic of the carnal Christian the Corinthian Christian they don't take morals or ethics um very seriously they're very loose you know that you know you're talking about that woman's loose or that guy has a loose tongue he says things that are crass and probably shouldn't say he has no speech uh seasoned with salt. So you have to be very careful about being loose. So they'll button up, you know, be buttoned up, tightened up, stand up, have some uh, morals, have some ethics, have some uh, convictions. Know what you believe and why you believe it. All right, let's look at the next one. And we're just giving you an overview. Uh, Look at chapter six. Verse 1, dare any of you, having a matter against another, go to law before the unjust and not before the saints? Do ye not know that the saints shall judge the world? And if the world shall be judged by you, are ye unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Know ye not that we shall judge angels? How much more things that pertain uh, to this life? If then you have judgments of things pertaining to this life, set them to judge who are least esteemed in the church. I speak to your shame. Is it uh, so that there is not a wise man among you? Not, no, uh, not one that shall be able to judge between his brethren, but brother goeth to law with brother, and that before unbelievers. So the uh, seventh Characteristic carnality, I'm sorry, eight, is taking other believers to court. Uh, Having legal action against other Bible believers. This is uh, very, very important. Paul said, you're going to judge angels. You realize that? We're going to judge the angels, the New Testament church. You could set the lowest esteem church member to be the judge and have a, a, a hearing with believers, spiritual elders, and let them judge the matter. Do not take legal action against Bible believers. You just don't do it. Now, there's a couple, we're, we're almost through for now. There's a couple things you could do to prevent this. Number one, I know it's touchy. Don't get in any legal situations with other Christians. I know it's hard. Don't get in money. Uh, don't, don't get involved in uh, businesses. Uh, don't get involved with liabilities. And some people have a principle. It just never has worked good for me to get involved with other Christians with money. It just, and a lot of times it does if both people are spiritual. So what if you have one spiritual and one carnal or two carnal? You've got problems coming because somebody's going to mistreat somebody else. Somebody's going to not pay it back. They're going to steal. They're going to owe. And there's a lot of principles uh, that that we could give you. But one of them is, according to the law, you never uh, lend anything to anybody that you're not willing to give away. Do not lend it unless you're giving it, willing to give it away. Under the law, you do not have a right to get it back. So now it's in their hands, they have to be honest and give it back. So if you really love your weed eater, you know, don't lend it to somebody that you're, unless you're willing, if they're carnal and they don't give it back, it's gone. Now, legally, if you rent it to them, though, now you have legal rights. But what good does that do you when you can't take a Christian to court? All you could say is, hey, right here, I rented this to you. You've got to give it back. So uh, there's things you can do to prevent this, but... um, You know, I just made a decision a long time ago. I'm not taking any Christian to court. A a Bible Christian. I didn't say a fake. There's, you know, just because they claim it doesn't mean they are. You know the way they live and what they believe. So just go to them and say, hey, give me your doctrine of salvation. How do you get saved and can you lose it? And then you'll know if you can sue them or not. All right. And almost all of those, they're not going to know. So they're all sue material. Uh but, but I'm not a, uh, I'm not a Sue, Sue happy person, but I'll tell you real quick, real quick. So there was a very wealthy church member. There was another man knew this wealthy church member, had a lot of discretionary income. And he, I think he borrowed $300. It might've been 3000. I know there was three. It might've been 3000 or three. I can't remember hundred, but he borrowed it. And he gave him this story, you know, he had a really good job too. I don't know why he'd need it, but he was having financial trouble. And so he borrows it and he lends it to him. And so this guy knew some Bible and he just didn't pay him back. You know, and I've noticed, uh, you know, a lot of times you'll lend somebody a book, you'll lend something, you go, man, I've been waiting, where is it? I don't know, I guess you can have it. If you want it that bad, it's yours. Uh, I try to give things back that I borrow and I may fail, but I try to. Um, But anyway, he just said, I'm not I'm not paying him back. So the the wealthy man comes to me. He says, you're the preacher. He's your member. Get him in a headlock or get him get him arm lock. Make him cry. Uncle, I want my money. You know, we had an agreement. He's not paying me back. So I go to the other guy and he says, hey, he's rich. He doesn't need it. Why does he want this little sum? And I, I am in need. And the Bible says, consider the poor. He's quoting all these verses. And, and he said, I don't have it, and I'm not paying him back. So then I'm the uh, arbitrator. And so I, this is what I told him same thing. You shouldn't have lent him that unless you're willing to give it away. You made the decision, that's your stance. And it's your job to pay him back. And if you don't pay him back, you're a crook and a thief. But you can't do anything about it because biblically you lent him the money. And then I said, I rest my case. And, uh, and uh, I'm pretty sure he never paid him back. So he lent it, never got it back. He borrowed it and was dishonest. And you know what? He's a Corinthian. All right, let's stand. He is a.